Welcome to Making the Most of Time with me, Elliot Apple. I'm a financial planner and caregiver. To give you a little background, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer when I was 25. Our world was changed instantly, and it's been a constant state of change ever since. Since then, I've been learning about the intersection of money, health, and loss, personally and professionally. This is a place to explore money, loss, and grief. It's about making the most of time, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, and financially. There are no taboo topics, no question is off limits. These conversations are for people like you, people who are about to lose a significant other, widows, caregivers, and anybody affected by a major health event. I'm glad you're here. So with that, let's start making the most of time. Let's talk about seven ways to help a caregiver. Having been a caregiver and listening to other caregiving experiences, I often see friends and family with the best intentions try to help caregivers, but they do it in a way that doesn't actually help a caregiver. Have you ever said, let me know if you need anything? I have. It's the wrong way to approach helping someone. Let me break down exactly how to approach a caregiver and help them in a way that will positively impact them. Number one, listen without giving advice. Most of us grew up with the mentality that you should help others, which usually included advice. We were told that if we could relate to someone, we should share our own story to help build a bond. Don't. Full stop. Don't interrupt. Don't give advice. Don't share your story. I'll talk more on that later. Let the caregiver have the space to share the entire time. It's okay to sit in silence. It's okay to give them time to process and share more. If a caregiver is sharing about how busy they are running errands for their mom who has Parkinson's and how draining it is to watch her slowly get worse, don't share a story about your own family with Parkinson's. Listen to them fully and attentively. You don't need to think about what you're going to say next. You can use your eyes, small verbal cues, and other facial expressions to let them know you're listening. If someone wants advice, they will ask for it. If you're ever in doubt, one simple question will help you. You can ask the caregiver, is this a situation where you want me to only listen, or do you want help trying to solve a problem? More often than not, they're likely going to say they only want you to listen. When you're caregiving, you rarely get a conversation that is 100% about you. You're unsure who you can share with, who will let you have the space, how they will respond, whether they will make it awkward, and who has the time to listen. It's a real gift to a caregiver to listen without giving advice. If you're not sure how to start a conversation because you're afraid of asking the wrong question, here are a few ideas. What's been like for you recently? What do you wish people understood about what you're experiencing? How have you been spending your time recently? You can continue asking these at any point. Through my six years of caregiving, the answers have changed often, sometimes by the hour. If you want the opportunity to help a caregiver, avoid common questions like, how are you? How is and insert the name of the person they're caregiving for. Or what have you been up to? These are easy questions to respond with, fine, okay, and not much. Number two, don't judge. As much as a caregiver will share, you will never know the whole story. They may forget certain details, paint a rosier picture, or choose not to share certain parts. You may find one of their decisions revolting. You may not agree with them moving their family member into an assisted living place. You may not like that they told a crude joke about death. You may think that they should be doing the opposite of absolutely everything they're doing. It is okay for you to feel that way. It's not okay for you to vocalize it. You don't know what they've been through, and you don't have to live with the consequences of their actions. 
When caregiving, you can go through and see truly awful things. Sickness, death, broken limbs, not making it to the bathroom, confusion, wandering, poor judgment, trouble paying the bills, anxiety, depression, hallucinations, personality changes, a life that's completely changed. The caregiver is doing the best they can, given what life has thrown at them. They constantly need to make difficult decisions. They likely are already second-guessing nearly every single one of them. If they want your opinion, judgment, or advice, they can ask you. Otherwise, if you hear something you don't agree with, remember, it's not your life. Your judgment won't help them. Number three, refrain from telling your own stories. I know you want to share and try to relate to the caregiver's story, but now is not the time. Even if you went through the exact same situation, it does not mean, mean you need to share. Remember, listening is what is important. If you have a loved one who went into a nursing home and loved it, wonderful. Their loved one may hate it. If you had a loved one who was neglected and abused in a memory care facility, that's awful. Their loved one may have a great experience. If you had a loved one who benefited greatly from an in-home caregiver, that's great. That may not be feasible or a good option for their loved one. You don't need to scare them with your horror stories or give them hope with your success stories. Although there are commonalities, each caregiving situation is unique. Each loved one needs something different. Each region has a different care facility with varying costs. Medical care accessibility is very different across the United States. If there is a nugget of wisdom you want to share, ask permission after they are done fully telling their own story. You can say something along the lines of, I went through a similar situation with my loved one and thought of something that might help you. I'd like to share, but I also recognize you may only need a listening partner right now. Would you like to hear it? If the caregiver wants to hear, now they have the choice. Empathy and listening are true gifts. Your stories sometimes are not. Number four, ask what they need. If you've ever been in a difficult situation, you know people will often say, let me know if you need anything. Remember how unhelpful that offer was? It's unhelpful for a caregiver too. People mean well when they offer, but most of the time, no caregiver, caregiver is going to call you and say exactly what they need. They're not sure how much time you have, don't want to inconvenience you, and our society has instilled in people that asking for help is a bad idea, even though it's often not. The best way I've seen someone help is by being specific in their offer, which I'll talk about more in a minute, and then asking what would be more helpful. For example, you could say, I'd like to bring takeout from XYZ restaurant over on Friday at 6 p.m. Is there anything else that would be more helpful? Another idea is to say, I was thinking how, how nice a clean house can feel and thought you might enjoy a clean house too. Would it be okay if I came over on Saturday at 1 p.m. to clean your house? I'm also happy to run other errands or do something on a different day. What do you feel you need at this moment? I suggest making the offer equal in difficulty or time to something else you might want to do. For instance, if you only have one hour, say, I could help you for an hour by going to the grocery store and picking up food for the week. Is there anything else that could be more helpful in an hour? This way you don't offer grocery shopping and then the ask is an entire day of help. If you would be willing to watch the person they are caregiving for, for during the day, offer up an entire afternoon and evening. That will show the caregiver how serious you are about helping and the time you are willing to put into helping. Then, if they decide that's not what they need help with now, they can offer another suggestion about how to help that will take a similar amount of time. Instead of a blanket offer of let me know if you need anything, try asking what they need after offering something. Number five, be specific in your offer to help. The reason you need to be specific in your offer to help is that it can be awkward to ask for help. How often do you feel comfortable asking someone else for help? If you're like most people, 
that can feel difficult. The caregiver may need help with something, but they have no idea how long it will take or when they can do it. They may feel like they're imposing on you. They may not know what you are comfortable doing, such as handling medications, driving a loved one to appointments, or watching children. By being specific in your offer, you are signaling to the caregiver what you are capable of and how much time you have to give. Then, it's easier for them to pick something else that might be more helpful at the moment, but still fits within your time and capability constraints. A bonus of you being specific in your offer to help a caregiver is that you may think of something that they have not thought of or something that is nice but not critical. For example, you might suggest going to the spa or movies together. That may not be in their top 10 of things that need to be done now. Heck, it may not even be in their top 100, but it might motivate them to figure out respite care to take the time to go with you and come back a little more re-energized. Sometimes the things we need most, we are the worst at giving ourselves. Don't forget to always follow up your specific offer to help with the question, is there anything else that you feel would be more helpful right now? It can open the door to productive conversations. Number six, invite them to an activity. Caregiving is draining. A caregiver's world often becomes smaller and smaller. Sometimes friends stop inviting them out or are afraid of asking them to come on a trip because they don't think they'll be able to come. Please keep asking them, but be mindful that they may say no most of the time. It's okay to keep asking. It can be tough to create the time to go out with friends while caregiving, particularly if they're trying to manage work too. After everything gets done, sometimes the thought of going out to do something is too exhausting. If you keep inviting them, you may ask at a good time where they have the time and energy to go with you. You don't need to invite them to something extra special. It could be a workout or yoga class, a walk around the neighborhood, or going out to eat. Although they may want to stay in, sometimes going out is exactly what someone needs. There have been many times where I was tempted to stay in, but I was refreshed and re-energized after going out. You know your friend or family member and what type of activity they may want to be a part of. Create opportunities to invite them to those activities. It can feel isolating caregiving, which means invitations to an activity or get-together can be really helpful. Number seven, get a gift or food. Most of the other ways you can help don't cost anything or come with a small cost, but if you're willing to spend some money, getting them a gift or food can help. The gift can be small, such as a handwritten note acknowledging their work as a caregiver and that you notice how much time and effort it takes. I know a note may seem small, but the acknowledgement that they're sacrificing can go a long way. Caregivers are often underappreciated. If you're unsure what someone might want, a gift card to a restaurant or a meal delivery service is a great option. Many caregivers can't find the time to cook seven days a week while juggling everything else. Getting delivery or picking up takeout can be a special treat while saving them time. If you want to cook something for them, go for it. Something to be mindful of, though, is that other people may have the same idea. If you know many other people are bringing over the common casserole, maybe go a different direction. There are only so many casseroles a caregiver can eat or freeze. Other options could include a gift card to a massage or elder care consultant, hiring a house cleaner, or sending them a book you've enjoyed. Or you can search online for gifts for caregivers to see what catches your eye. Most gifts that can buy back time are helpful for caregivers because they're often short on time and energy. If you don't want to spend money, remember, a note every once in a while is very meaningful. Caregivers often don't feel seen, and a note can make them feel seen. Gifts or food are great ways to help a caregiver. Final thoughts and my question for you. Truly helping a caregiver is more than, let me know how I can help. It takes a concerted effort to help a caregiver. The first step is listening without giving advice and reserving judgment. Caregiving can be rewarding, but it can feel awful and hopeless at the same time. 
You don't need to tell your own stories to relate to a caregiver. If you listen regularly, a caregiver is going to feel like you are relating. They may even ask you to share your own story one day. For the time being, give them the space to share with you. When you're tempted to offer help, be specific in your offer and follow up with, is there anything else that would be more helpful? Or how else can I make your life easier? It signals to them that you're serious and gives them a better idea of how much you're willing to help. Don't forget to regularly invite the caregiver to an activity or event. Even though they may turn you down nine times out of 10, that 10th time may mean the world to them. Finally, a handwritten note acknowledging their caregiving could go a long way. If you're feeling more generous, a gift that helps them buy back some of their time could also be really helpful. I'll leave you with one question to act on. How are you going to help the caregivers in your life? Elliot Apple is an investment advisor representative of Kindness Financial Planning, LLC. However, in hosting this podcast, Elliot is not acting as an investment advisor representative individually or on behalf of Kindness Financial Planning. The information and opinions in this podcast are for general, informational, and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment, financial, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of publication, and such opinions are subject to change. No representation is made as to the completeness or accuracy of the information presented. Any past performance referenced is historical and no guarantee of future results. All indices referenced are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. All investments involve a certain level of risk. You should carefully consider if an investment is suitable for you before making an investment. Please consult your legal, financial, and other professionals to determine what may be appropriate for you.